Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. Welcome to the Tech Meme Ride Home for Tuesday, June 25th, 2019. I'm Brian McCullough. Today, LinkedIn's changes mean peak news feed is truly behind us. Hackers have been stealing massive amounts of phone data without even touching phones. Early impressions of the recent Apple beta releases and Bill Gates fesses up to his greatest career failure. Here's what you missed today in the world of tech. In a major strategy shift, LinkedIn says it will change its algorithm to favor posts that cater to niche professional interests as opposed to elevating viral content. In a way, this is another nail in the coffin for peak newsfeed as we know it. As Axios puts it, quote, news feeds that were fundamentally built to connect one voice to many are struggling to deliver on value as communication trends move to more personal and ephemeral conversations. The proposed changes include elevating content that users are more likely to join in conversation, which typically means people that users interact with directly in the feed through comments and reactions, or people who have shared interests with you based on your profile. Also elevating a post from someone closer to a user's interests or network if it needs more engagement, not if it's already going viral. Elevating conversations with things that encourage a response, like opinions and commentary alongside content, as well as posts that use mentions and hashtags to bring other people and interests into the conversation, and elevating posts from users that respond to commenters. After the changes, niche topics of conversation will perform better than broad ones. When it comes to length, LinkedIn says its algorithm doesn't favor any particular format, despite rumors that it does, end quote. Now, in a way, the news feed inside LinkedIn has always been a bit of an awkward thing. Facebook, Twitter, all the other news feed heavy sites have always wanted engagement, and it didn't matter how childish or provocative or asinine the content was. All that mattered was engagement, the shares, and the clicks. But LinkedIn always needed to maintain some air of utility, some air of decorum. On some level, LinkedIn is a place to do business, to find a job, to manage your career. So LinkedIn never wanted the site to be flooded with cat videos. It seems like after a couple years of playing at virality, maybe they could never make it work for them. It's an odd place to be in. LinkedIn wants you to spend time on its site so they can sell ads against your time, but at the same time, they want you spending time with them for the right edifying reasons. Can LinkedIn thread this needle successfully? The two opposing opinions online can be summed up by these two tweets. Tom Goodwin. Unpopular view? This is great news. The ability of LinkedIn to become a pleasant place for discourse and with more characters could be realized. It's a great place to listen and learn if done right, end quote. And Brian Morrissey, quote, Coming soon to LinkedIn, thought leader posts with even more hashtags, end quote. Researchers are saying that hackers have been stealing massive amounts of call records from over 10 cell network providers worldwide as a part of an unprecedented effort to conduct targeted surveillance. 
The records collected include times and dates of calls and cell-based locations. Quote, researchers at Boston-based Cyber Reason, who discovered the operation and shared their findings with TechCrunch, said the hackers could track the physical location of any customer of the hacked telcos, including spies and politicians, using the call records. They first detected the attacks about a year ago. Before and since then, the hackers broke into one cell provider after the other to gain continued and persistent access to the networks. Their goal, the researchers believe, is to obtain and download rolling records on the target from the cell provider's database without having to deploy malware on each target's device. Lior Div, Cyber Reason's co-founder and chief executive, said the hackers acted invisibly to their targets. Quote, they know everything about them without ever hacking their phone, he said. The researchers found the hackers got into one of the cell networks by exploiting a vulnerability on an internet-connected web server to gain a foothold onto the provider's internet network. From there, the hackers continued to exploit each machine they found by stealing credentials to gain deeper access, end quote. It is worth noting that Cyber Reason says it has not yet seen the hackers target North American telecom companies, but, quote, Cyber Reason did say it was with very high probability that the hackers were backed by a nation-state but the researchers were reluctant to definitively pin the blame. The tools and the techniques, such as the malware used by the hackers, appeared to be, quote, textbook APT-10, referring to a hacker group believed to be backed by China. But Div and others said it was either APT-10, quote, or someone that wants us to go public and say it's APT-10, end quote. As Dr. Talia Jane snarked on Twitter, I would be more unnerved by this if 99% of my call records wasn't spam. Microsoft today announced OneDrive Personal Vault, which will be a special folder inside your OneDrive that can only be accessed via two-factor authentication. You can store as many files as you want inside the Personal Vault, up to the overall OneDrive storage limit, of course. It's coming to all versions of OneDrive, including the web, iOS and Android apps, and Windows 10 PCs by the end of the year. Quoting The Verge, The new OneDrive Personal Vault feature will be protected by an additional step of identity verification, such as a PIN, fingerprint, facial authentication, or a two-factor authentication code. If you store files in the new Personal Vault area, you'll be prompted for an additional code each time you access them via the web, PC, or mobile devices. This secured area is designed for files like copies of passports, identification cards, or more sensitive personal financial information. On Windows 10 PCs, Microsoft is using a BitLocker encrypted area of a local hard drive to sync the Personal Vault files, and all OneDrive files are encrypted at rest in Microsoft's cloud and in transit to a device. The personal vault will also automatically relock on a PC or device after a period of inactivity, and you'll need to then reauthenticate to get access again. On a PC, you'll also be able to use Windows Hello for this. If you use the web version of OneDrive on an unfamiliar PC, then any files within the personal vault will not be cached by a browser." End quote. As Chris Welsh joked on Twitter, In other words, your nudes go here. You may have heard that Harry Potter Wizards Unite was released recently, which was a big deal in some circles because this is a mobile augmented reality game in the vein of Pokemon Go, and it's made by Niantic, the same folks that brought you Pokemon Go. Wizards Unite is the number one phone app by download in 28 countries, including the U.S. right now. But 
The game might not be on track to be the hit that Pokemon Go was. Wizards Unite has yet to reach the top 10 for iPhone revenue in any market, according to Sensor Tower. Quote, Based on its performance over the period of June 20th through June 23rd, and its impending launch in Japan and South Korea, the two largest markets where it remains unavailable, we project that Harry Potter Wizards Unite stands to gross more than $10 million in its first 30 days. Niantic's previous release, the smash hit Pokemon Go, generated more than $28 million in player spending during its first four days post-launch on 24 million installs in the United States, Australia, and New Zealand alone. It went on to gross $206 million and see close to 173 million downloads in its first month. Harry Potter Hogwarts Mystery from Jam City took in nearly $7 million from players over its first four days of availability in the same countries where Wizards Unite is available, or about seven times more than Niantic's title. Jam City's game saw its new installs nearly double in the four days following the launch of Wizards Unite, likely due to users mistaking it for Niantic's new release in search results. The U.S., led player spending in Harry Potter Wizards Unite over the weekend, with about 88% of revenue generated by the title. Great Britain, its second largest market since launch, represented about 8% of spending, end quote. When you go through airport security, there's one line where the TSA agent checks your ID and another line where a machine scans your bag. The same thing happens in enterprise security, but instead of passengers and luggage, it's end users and their devices. These days, most companies are pretty good at the first part of the equation where they check user identity, but user devices can roll right through authentication without getting inspected at all. In fact, 47% of companies allow unmanaged, untrusted devices to access their data. That means an employee can log in from a laptop that has its firewall turned off and hasn't been updated in six months. Or worse, that laptop might belong to a bad actor using employee credentials. Collide finally solves the device trust problem. Collide ensures that no device can log into your Okta-protected apps unless it passes your security checks. Plus, you can use Collide on devices without MDM, like your Linux fleet, contractor devices, and every BYOD phone and laptop in your company. Visit collide.com slash ride to watch a demo and see how it all works. That's K-O-L-I-D-E dot com slash ride, collide.com slash ride. I'm going to a big AI startup demo day here in the city tomorrow, and I will 100% be decked out in Mack Weldon clothing. Why? Well, Mack Weldon makes timeless apparel with modern performance fabrics for guys who want to look and feel sharp without sacrificing comfort. Mack Weldon clothes are designed to fit your style and the demands of modern life. They look like regular clothes, but feel like the latest in modern comfort. They're the go-to choice for guys who want to look great without even trying. Breathable underwear that keeps you cool, dry, and comfy all day. That's their Airnet underwear. Crazy, comfortable, but elevated sweatpants, the Ace Collection. An upgraded classic polo with antimicrobial silver threads, the Silver Peak polo. That's my personal fave. And ultra-soft antimicrobial tees for when you need to stay fresh longer, their Silver Crew Neck T-shirt. Get timeless looks with modern comfort from Mack Weldon. Go to MacWeldon.com and get 20% off your first order with promo code RIDE. That's M-A-C-K-W-E-L-D-O-N.com, promo code RIDE. 
What does Bill Gates think was his greatest mistake ever? In a recent interview with Village Global, a venture capital firm, Gates says his biggest professional blunder was when Microsoft missed not only mobile generally, but specifically the ability to be Android. You know, in the software world, it's very, particularly for platforms, these are winner-take-all markets. So, you know, the greatest mistake ever uh, is the whatever mismanagement I engaged in that caused Microsoft not to be what Android is. That is, Android is the standard phone platform, non-Apple phone form platform. That was a natural thing for Microsoft to win. And, you know, it's, it really is winner-take-all. You know, if you're there with half as many apps or 90% as many apps, you're on your way to complete doom. There's room for exactly one yeah. non-Apple operating system. And that, you know, what's that worth? $400 billion, uh, that would be, you know, transferred from company yeah. G to company M. Uh, <laughs> uh, and it's amazing to me, having made, you know, one of the greatest mistakes of all time, and there was this antitrust lawsuit and various things, that, you know, our other assets, Windows Office, are still very strong. So we are a leading company. Uh, if we'd gotten that one right, we would be the, the. Uh, leading company. <laughs> but oh well. The uh, difference between A and D. Uh, so there, this idea that just small differences can magnify themselves, that doesn't exist for a lot of businesses. You know, if you're a service business, it, it doesn't exist. But for software platforms, uh, it's, it's absolutely gigantic. And so that's partly where you have the mentality of every night you think, am I screwing this up? Uh, and eventually, uh, <laughs> we did screw a super important one up. It's interesting that Gates is citing this as being on his shoulders, as the whole mobile scrum after the advent of the iPhone came deep into the Steve Ballmer era at Microsoft when the assumption would be that Gates wasn't that involved in the day-to-day -day operations of the company. Quoting Tom Warren at The Verge, Balmer famously laughed at the iPhone, calling it the, quote, most expensive phone in the world, and it doesn't appeal to business customers because it doesn't have a keyboard, end quote. While Balmer accepted the iPhone could go on to sell well, he crucially missed the touch-friendly era it was ushering in and laughed off its lack of a keyboard. This was a key part of Microsoft's early mobile mistakes, and it came from the very top. Microsoft spent months arguing internally over whether the company should scrap its Windows mobile efforts, which at the time weren't touch-friendly and were born out of an era of stylus-powered devices. Microsoft decided in a December 2008 emergency meeting to scrap Windows Mobile and completely reboot its mobile phone efforts with Windows Phone. While former Windows chief Terry Meyerson and Microsoft's Joe Belfiore were involved in that emergency meeting, it is likely that the company would have sought Bill Gates' advice in some capacity. Gates stepped down as CEO in 2000, taking the chief software architect role during the crucial years leading up to Windows Phone and Microsoft's Windows Vista missteps. Gates eventually stepped down as chief software architect in July 2008 and carried on as the company's chairman until Satya Nadella took over as CEO in 2014, end quote. Yesterday, we had the first review roundup in a while, and today we've got a first impressions roundup as people dive into the beta releases of macOS, Catalina, iOS 13, and iPadOS. 
Let's start with Catalina. Daniel Aaron Dilger at Apple Insider says, It is an ambitious refinement of the Mac, featuring a fundamental rethinking of iTunes and an infusion of fresh ideas from iOS, from sidecar to continuity, sketch to screen time, a whole new world of Catalyst apps from iPad, and many more features under the hood. But note, Catalina is still very much in beta. Tread cautiously, he says, and don't blame the beta for being beta. You've been warned. Quote, Last year, I noted that the overall intent of the macOS Mojave public beta release seemed to be aimed at making the Mac the ideal desktop computing system for iOS users. Apple wasn't really trying so hard to woo Windows PC users anymore, in large part because Windows isn't so important anymore, nor is it the most attractive audience for Apple to market its Macs. Apple's own iOS represents a larger, more modern, and commercially attractive base to fish in particularly when you narrow down Windows PC users to the premium segment who are willing to pay something reasonable for quality hardware. Rather than still being an alternative PC maker in a huge sea of commodity Windows machines, Apple now services about a billion and a half devices globally. It has an installed base of more than 100 million Mac users, around 400 million iPad users, and close to a billion iPhone users. For a new generation of young adults, modern mobile devices are far more relevant than Microsoft's old Win32 and Internet Explorer monopoly that was once essentially everything in tech 20 years ago. So it makes sense that Apple would want to leverage its work in creating the world's leading brand of premium mobile devices with iOS to improve the Mac in order to make the desktop platform more familiar to its enormous iOS installed base, end quote. Of iOS 13, Hayam Gartenberg says... Dark mode is dark. His first impressions of the new Apple Maps is surprisingly good. Reminders still isn't the best Reminders app out there. Combining Find My Phone and Find My Friends into Find My seems useful. The new swiping keyboard is great, but, quote, There are a few noticeable gaps in iOS 13 at this point. There's no sign of two of Apple's big new subscription services that the company announced earlier this year. Apple Card and Apple TV Plus are entirely absent at this point, while a third, Apple Arcade, only has a preview tab in the App Store, which rather annoyingly bumps the Updates tab off into a submenu in the App Store app. Also missing is Apple's forthcoming sign-in with Apple service, which would, in theory, offer a more privacy-minded way to log into apps and services that won't expose or collect your personal information. It has the potential to be a big deal, especially since Apple is planning to make it mandatory for apps that offer third-party login services like Google and Facebook, but right now, it's not available in the beta, end quote. And with iPad OS, Chris Velasco at Engadget says there's something for everyone. It makes tablets feel like a priority again. Quote, when I reviewed the iPad Pro last year, I was torn. Here was one of the most impressive and not to mention expensive tablets any company had ever made, and its software seemed caught between two goals. Provide the classic, friendly iOS experience people were used to, and grow in a way that made it more meaningful to pro users shelling out for premium hardware. With iPadOS, Apple is striking a better balance between these two priorities. After using a beta build for a few days, I'm already impressed with the changes Apple has made. Some are more subtle than others, but all told, this new software refines the iPad experience in some important ways, end quote. Links to all of the rundowns and impressions in the show notes. Ugh. I don't know if you can hear it in my voice, but my son gave me a cold this weekend and summer colds, you know, are the worst. Right now, my throat is absolutely killing me. 
with every word, every swallow. So I'm going to keep this short and sweet, assuming I don't lose my voice tonight. Talk to you tomorrow, question mark. I want to tell you about another short daily news podcast that will keep you informed quickly and is a great compliment to this show because it comes out first thing in the morning by 5 a.m. It's called The Newsworthy, and it gives you all the day's news. We're talking 8 to 12 news stories in less than 10 minutes so you can quickly get informed as you start your day. The Newsworthy tells you the key things to know that day in politics and business as well as fun stuff like tech, science, and entertainment. The Newsworthy keeps you informed on so many things, and it's not just doom and gloom like traditional news, and it's always unbiased, with perspectives from a wide variety of news sources. The Newsworthy is all about being fast, fair, and fun, so add it to your playlist and get informed first thing each weekday morning. Search for The Newsworthy in your favorite podcast app, or go to thenewsworthy.com to listen now. That's The Newsworthy Podcast.